All yours. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, today to another episode as we now enter a new quarter, which we will be discussing electricity and just tech in general inventions. So let me give it over to my co-host here. Yeah, man. So just moving into our next episode, and that's also going into our next quarter. And yeah, just discussing everything that technology entails, man, like any breakthroughs in the world, any crisis any um any macroeconomic issues man so like i think it's a really important topic as well because these things are changing by the second so I'd, I'd love to explore that direction with this podcast without any further ado let's dive right in my name is brendan now my name is Alan fisser and this is finding borders no intro So we've been discussing lately something that's quite a big issue um, in South Africa, but also in Australia. Um, and that's... Athlete's foot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's load shedding. Now, for many of our listeners that is not well familiar with this concept, it is a thing actually that has quite become which we would consider quite a very large sizable pain in the ass here in South Africa. It's essentially just an ongoing period where we experience widespread rolling blackouts. And this is actually started in 2007. Yeah, and um, in 2021 alone, there was something like 1,169 hours of load shedding. Now, at this stage, you might ask yourself, for those who don't know, what is load shedding? So there's two types of load shedding, okay? There's uh, automatic load shedding. Basically, when the system, electronic systems cut themselves off to protect the network from any damage. So I imagine that's when you'd have a tree that falls on a fence and a circuit breaker just cuts the network off. Then you have manual load shedding, and that is when the system is purposely turned off. Now, in South Africa's case, it's because there is there's the, these these um, these manual um, load sheddings occur when um, demand exceeds supply. So if there's not enough, you know, gigawatts of energy um, to meet the supply, they they essentially portion the electricity that can be used at that stage. Like I said, in South Africa in 2021 alone, man, there was. 1,169 hours of load shedding, which is a lot. And that has, you know, that has essentially been um, 2,521 gigawatts hours that have been shed. So it's, it's, it's sizable, man. Um, and yeah, like you, we, we just mentioned South Africa has this issue. I did also read in South Australia um, that also has an energy crisis. They have experienced load shedding just like South Africa um, and what happened in 2000 the early 
2020s, the late 2010s, um, Tesla had built a battery in Hornsdale, South Australia, that, that houses energy for you know consumption. And um, and yeah, it was just interesting to see that a third, a third world and a first world country both have parts of the country have the same problem. Really is a growing problem, and especially in South Africa's case, where it's now been continu- continuing for upwards of 15 years now. It's become almost an everyday occurrence. I mean, for example, last month we've entered a new stage of load shedding, as it also runs in stages over here, which we've we have been without power, I think, for up to around four hours a day, and which you consider it's quite a lot. It's usually two hours in the morning, two hours at night. But if you can think about the economic ramifications that it must bring for like any sort of business running without electricity. And even as a student, every it, it it's not only businesses and the economy, but it reaches each and every part of society. It is absolutely just frustrating and to think that there's no really not much end in sight. And I think the reason for this is, I think probably in the country you're listening to and many of our listeners, especially in Western countries, um, I think that the power and electricity has been privatized by a lot of companies. So in in South Africa and Africa and large scale, it's become a monopoly. It's very much government run over here at the company called ESCOM, which they also um, give power to other countries in Africa, which I believe, I think only in South Africa, we're the only ones that have load shedding and not the other countries that ESCOM also supplies electricity to. So this disruption has really had our toll on the people. But Llewellyn, I think as well, in your time in South Africa, Oblian has started, like what memories do you have of load shedding? And I do imagine they're not very fond. Like in South Africa, I remember very, very distinctly, like they, in 2015, they had uh, load shedding, which was probably stage one or two or whatever. It goes up to like five stages or six stages or something. Um, but the power went out every night for an hour between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., um, and yeah, man, like it's not, it's not ideal because if you're a student, you you have to work in the dark or you can't work on any of your devices. Um, as an employer, you can't do any admin unless you have a paper-based business, but you'll still be in candlelight. Um, as a and it's also it's a country that's not exactly pushing for solar energy. Like it's the the government mm. doesn't or at that time didn't have any incentives for you know, private homeowners to branch out into solar energy was a cost you'd have to wear. Um, now, I'm not saying it wasn't tax deductible and I'm not saying, you know, you can't claim the money on anything. But from my memory, it's just I never saw commercials where they said the government is pledging this amount of money for these incentives. Um, and now at the moment, you guys have, I mean, there's a few things that go into it. Like, so I've mentioned how much, gigawatt hours have been shed and how many um, hours of, of time have been lost due to you know load shedding but then there's the cost of it as well like you know it's cost billions and billions of rand um escom like you said who's the um the monop- monopolized business in south africa that provides electricity um you know this is gonna there's load shedding in 2021 has cost them an additional 10.8 billion rand already which is over a billion dollars um and they've already got operating costs of nine 196 billion rand which is 19.6 billion australian dollars so and on top of that man like they the the the, the manner in which they do create 
the electricity it's all still diesel powered so they would yeah. um, escom would use um, or its systems would be the open cycle gas turbines which need diesel to be operated and uh, i was reading with this this lovely war in the ukraine that's happening at the moment um, that skyrocketed the price of diesel you'll find that if you know if diesel cost a few years ago 15 rand for a liter which is a dollar 50 if you want to be technical would be about approximately be about four dollars fifty to generate one kilowatt hour but now with the diesel price skyrocketing due to the war you have 20 rand per liter which is going to cost uh, you know like six rand per kilowatt hour and you're creating gigawatts of electricity so the operating costs would increase which i think then will be pushed back onto the household so yeah man to be to sum up everything I've just said, I don't have any fond memories of load shedding. <laughs> Definitely not. Do you think maybe a future approach to like a, a a greener approach to much more cleaner and sustainable energy might be the way? Or do you imagine maybe another electricity company maybe starting so that we become some form of competition? Like what do you think would be a good remedy um, as to load shedding just in the right direction? Because obviously this is not a problem that's going to be solved overnight or even with one here but what do you think would be the most in your opinion the immediate resolve uh, to the situation um i don't think there'll be an immediate resolve but mm. i do think if you like i mentioned the government doesn't have any incentives for people to get solar power mm. like if the government instead of putting the cost back onto the the consumer if they actually gave incentive for you to go and uh, buy your solar energy and go off the grid um, sort of thing. That would be one option towards a greener system. Um, another way would be that, yeah, we, we, if there's another company who can do it better, cheaper, a private company, not a, not a company that has shareholders as such, then that would definitely put competition in the market and you'd find you know that there would be competitive prices you know everyone can now switch between providers that'll affect the cost of living you, you, because you can't change the population you can't decrease mm -hmm. the population by any means um, and you also you can't really increase the amount of diesel that's in the world um, so you, you could argue that yeah they should they should start looking at solar farms or, or turbines or Anything along those lines. We have windy regions in the uh, the Western Cape. Um, mm. I do I do know that we have a massive solar farm in the North Cape between, you know, um, just just outside of Kimberley. Um, so we there are there are open plains of land where that can be done, but there there is no immediate solution. Like it, it's honestly a problem that's going to be going to be around with the South African consumer. Definitely. Going off topic a bit, I was wanting to ask you what you thought about Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, which I think has been all over the news. And why do you think his reign as the top dog of this social media giant will bring? Because I know he's quite an advocate of free speech. Do you think that he will, I don't know, expand on this idea or do you think Twitter will just remain the same? Because personally for me, I don't have a Twitter account. I haven't been on it for years, but I do imagine now with these acquisitions that I would give it another go. 
Yeah, man. Like on on the note of Tesla and Elon Musk, a lot of people aren't happy about it. There are people mm. who um, who now believe that yeah, the platform is going to be uh, open for hate speech, and it's going to now be an all over horrid thing to have. But I don't know. Like I don't pay much attention to Twitter either. I feel like it's it's like it's like a, a Facebook blended blend of linkedin like it's it's pretty much for the famous it's not exactly it's not exactly for the everyday person just open an account Mm. and tweet things and people will see it you know it's 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 weird i haven't delved too much into twitter man but yeah man like even even like you'll find you'll find there have been some technologies that actually consume less energy like you'll find things like leds and um you'll find some solar paneling on everyday items like power banks and things like that have become quite common um for the the everyday consumer but yeah like on the note of like you know your power banks and your your leds and stuff like that man um i want to go back to a time where blackberry was still around if you'll if you'll remember that like and and how it was a company that just like I, I, it's it's safe to assume that the majority of teenagers between the years mm. 2005 and 2015 if that had a blackberry man like they had this really crazy plan where for like for six bucks a month for 60 rand a month you can get unlimited internet um you, obviously that didn't include things like youtube but you mm. also had a built-in um messaging app called blackberry messenger or bbm and and you know for the the average south african back then it didn't have access to internet like that was a very attractive thing and and blackberry Mm. definitely doubled down on that innovation but you know in a country like south africa where mobile data is really expensive um it it was like i said very attractive but the phones themselves just lacked innovation like the company you know the company stuck to its guns without any change and yeah they they just eventually just didn't cut it they moved their app onto android google play and um, apple's app store Um, and then they had android os loaded onto their their phones in 2016 and 17 and since then i don't think i don't think i've heard anything from them and yeah the same thing can be said for nokia like nokia just a lot of good phones that sold forever like they started in the 70s and they made the phone um you know the reliable affordable uh, phone indestructible phone and they tried selling that idea in a world where phones became touchscreen and phones mm. had multi-purposes like cameras um and speakers and they could play music through them like they they caught on to that idea too late and in yeah in 2013 and 14 when nokia had um had been bought out by microsoft they ran the microsoft os on the smartphones as well and um they just didn't sell you know because android and apple at that stage were already so big man so like like do you do you remember that stage in your life definitely i remember it very fondly i definitely remember my 
first BlackBerry of one which I had many. I think it was any person at that time, if you were a teenager or any South African in general, like the BlackBerry was just the most trendy thing or tech type thing you could possibly have. And I think I have to agree of what you said earlier, uh, stating that uh, they weren't very forward thinkers in terms of innovation of hardware and software. It was more based on the messenger, which we liked, BBM, everyone at BBM. No one used WhatsApp at that stage very much. Like you were the oddball out if you actually used WhatsApp and not BBM. And like you said, that $6, 60 rand at the time, paying for internet services, it was a game changer in a household who did not have much um, Wi-Fi, things like that. But I definitely think as well at the end, you know, because they weren't very innovative and when BBM and their services like moved to Android devices, et cetera, it changed everything. Because I mean, at the time, BlackBerry was great, but definitely still Samsung and Apple, they were more innovative in terms of software and hardware. So obviously when BBM moved over and the service really died down, one could not really see the purpose of having a BlackBerry anymore. But in other terms of advancements, which I've been seeing in smartphones of late, which I quite like, is I've been looking into it in operating systems. Because I mean, the primary operating systems we are aware of now is like iOS or Android, which people are using. But I quite enjoy now a number of smartphones actually are going over to uh, Linux, which I find is quite interesting uh, in terms of privacy as well, because it's very open source. Everything on the phone in terms of application is completely open source. So in terms of your privacy and tracking is kept to an absolute limit. Like you can see who's tracking you. Stuff like Google services and stuff is not already a thing on the phone. So I definitely think Linux is like the next big thing. I don't believe it will be an Android or iOS killer anytime soon, but I definitely think if we maybe edge in towards that in Linux, I think that'll be the big new thing in smartphones because I think we've become so much more aware of late uh, in terms of our privacy and cookies and things like that. I don't know. What is like your thoughts on that, like going into an age which we can find software and operating systems on our cell phones or any electronic that may be that actually limits tracking of like Google services? Because I understand the premises and like the scheme of, apps like Instagram and Facebook, obviously they're not making the application free because of the goodness of their hearts. They have to make money somewhere and that is like selling your data to ad companies. But limiting that to being more aware of that, I think it's the new age of technology. And what is like your opinion on this? And do you think more open source applications is the way to go? Or I know, what is your thoughts? Like just let me everybody, like I'm curious. Yeah, man, like I don't know, the whole privacy issue, like I've definitely noticed like Apple has a, a massive ad campaign where they say that Apple devices are secure. They show the Apple logo with a little lock on top of it and they'd say, yeah, your data is secure. There are always massive data leaks going around somewhere, man. Like one of the major uh, transport providers and um, essentially government industries here in one of our states in New South Wales had a data leak. They were hacked just the other day, man. And that's got licenses on it. It's got devices, email addresses, like... Like it's a it's a really big issue that we face, and you know this this whole thing about your information being being kept but still accessible to certain people it, it is a scary thing. Like even if you're if you're on, on a on a device and you go into say a shopping center, your digital identity can be tracked as to how many devices. You, your phone connected to while you were walking just down the corridor in the shopping center. So you have 
businesses who have Wi-Fi, your phone connected to those. You have other phones nearby. They've communicated to each other as well. You can you can literally thermal track someone's movements on their phone screen. You can, mm. you can see what apps they've opened, how they've moved, what coordinates on the screen they've they've gone in. It's it's insane, man. This the whole thing about information technology and the Internet of Things. It it's it's a, it's cause for concern if um, these this information gets in the wrong hands um and yeah like we were just talking about like load shedding um and to get back to that like do you actually think that because if if you can't have things like wi-fi without the the electricity source you you can't have you can't have any communications to um plugged in devices that then run off batteries like do you actually think that you know, load shedding would have advantages in, in a world that seems really busy? Um, or do you just believe that it is quite inconvenient and it shouldn't have happened in the first place, man? Yeah, obviously, I mean, there are some exterior motives and things to it which you can't control, but I honestly believe that there really is no benefit to it. If I want to be Amish, I'll live an Amish lifestyle. We live in a stage in life right now, which was so dependent on Wi-Fi and electricity. For example, myself, when I have to do an assignment, I know there's load shedding happening. I always find myself driving sometimes to a part of town which doesn't have load shedding or to a friend's house, sometimes campus, you know, because I also believe like a lot of like companies and things like that, if they do not have a generator, like the big companies, they like close their doors for the uh, couple of hours, which load shedding is on. So business completely halts for those hours. It's only truly the big corporations, you know, like the big supermarkets here, like pick and pay and checkers and businesses like that. But smaller businesses, I find are the ones that um, are coming off at the at the bad end of it. So I really, in my personal opinion, I can't really see any benefit to it. It is what it is at the moment. I think the best course of action is a debate that needs to start and what can we do to, I don't know, to stop it. Like I said, it won't stop overnight, but like I can't imagine myself yeah. uh, uh, taking in another 15 years of this again, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. just like resolve well, it in like the next five or six if, if possible. Well, I mean, yeah, with with information as well like um i I heard about this really cool thing and it's called google trends so and this this is something you might want to look into if you ever want to like just see if you ever want to get as close to seeing what people are looking for as you can without actually invading their privacy google Mm -hmm. trends um you can go on and and compare one item that's been searched with another so you can say oh how often is um, is load shedding being searched up compared to you know how often is is a completely unrelated topic like Spotify, or you can say how often is load shedding Google and how often is Escom Google. So you can see all that information happening. I imagine, I imagine the word generator in South Africa, the, the mm-hmm. amount of searches has probably sevenfold increased because of load shedding, man, like. Like, yeah, you're right. They definitely put that cost onto the consumer where they have to go and buy a generator just to run their business, man, and, and to pay the bills and employ people. And the crazy thing is load shedding doesn't even, like if you're saying, oh, from, from a, an environmental point of view, if we have all these devices turn off all at once, we'll be consuming less electricity, burning less diesel, and therefore we're catering for the environment. But 
you're really not because you still have generators that are running for some of these businesses. There's still public transports going. Still the, and still the generators are running on gasoline, which we've established the prices and the influx of that in the current world today. So it's really like, it's really the consumer at the end of the day that is, well, being yeah. not in a sense punished, but really feeling, you know, the effects of load shedding. I just wonder as well, uh, ESCOM is definitely losing revenue when um, these these events happen when they're load shedding but the fact is if they're, they're trying to save themselves by killing themselves they can't put out so you, you you do ask yourself and it's a government industry so they can't just close down and a competitor will take mm. over like they're stuck with the problem um it, it does it does beg the question like what what's the planning behind their actions like what is is that if that's the only solution then how do you actually prevent it from happening in the first place like yeah if there's suddenly no diesel tomorrow then we you won't have four stages of loading there will be six stages of loading like i said mm. earlier you will have an issue man and um i don't know about you but i don't think the average iphone gets more than two days out of its battery max so you'll you'll eventually have people running out of juice on those bad boys and that'll just be that um but on that topic as well man um i want to talk about like uh solar flares in its in its simplest form it is it is a large scale emp that i i imagine gets released from the sun or from where, wherever um and it actually affects electronic devices. So you'll find that, you know, your, your pumps that pump water to your taps, those bad boys will fail. Um, the pumps that pump petrol at the station, those will fail. Devices will probably fail. Um, I'm not sure if battery operated devices will be saved or not. But in a world like where load shedding exists, do you think a solar flare that it wipes out all electronic devices. Let's just assume for argument's sake that except those of batteries. Do you think the world would go into an apocalypse? Well, I definitely think the effect with this would probably be of an unprecedented scale to everyone, not just the everyday consumer, but to the government and anything that's privatized. Yeah, man, like, I just think that's going to be adding fuel to the fire of what it really is. There's nothing much more, I think, to say to it. I yeah. can only imagine the true ramifications of it, and I pray to God <laughs> and the current geopolitical and circumstances we find ourselves in, and economically, especially with load shedding and things like that, that something like that doesn't happen very soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was uh, the last solar flare that occurred, and it was the biggest on record, was on the 2nd of April 2001, and the sun has the sun releases an electronic magnetic pulse from its atmosphere and and it was related to the disruption of some power grids in canada so like you just think about and it, it, it like traveling at a whopping speed of 7.2 million kilometers per hour towards earth like that's that's really scary to think about like if these power grids got wiped out and obviously they've been repaired since then you know canada's a flourishing economy it, it, it just begs the question what would happen if that was a more permanent mass effect like I, I do think i do think we're still very vulnerable as a species that is as advanced as we have mm. example i'm reading here 
sometimes in terms of a cellular flare, they release up to 10 million times more energy than a volcano. Yeah, man. <laughs> and we, you know, you think about a volcano and how much energy it takes to erupt one of those bad boys. Like, and, and this is coming from, from, and it's not even, it's not even something that, that actually hurts. Like, it's just, it's just a field of energy, you know? Mm. Like, How cool are underwater volcanoes, right? Or ice volcanoes, which I've seen before. It's just like something out of a, like an alien or a Star Wars movie. Imagine Hoth, ice volcanoes. And that's just something we have here locally. <laughs> not locally, but on our dear planet, which we call Earth. No, that's just technology for you. We, we were so reliant on this, this thing that, and, and ironically, technology, it's supposed to save you time. But, you know, we don't use our, these advanced systems that go into creating a phone. We just use them to play Candy Crush and swipe on something. <laughs> use then Tinders and Snapchats. And like, it's not, it's not even used for the intended purpose. I mean, if you think about it, we use kilobytes of RAM to get on the fucking moon of all places. Yeah. <laughs> and you're using maybe, no, you can't even, I don't even think that much RAM could open a single Chrome tab for you today. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and yeah, like another massive issue in the technology world is, uh, is storage. You know, you, mm. you find files actually are increasing in size, you know, as you have, as you have 1080p and, and 2160p. 4K, 8K is now, yeah. is now a thing. Yeah. And if you have games, PlayStation games, have gotten, uh, they've quadrupled in size, man. I mean, the, the biggest mm. one you'd ever have seen was GTA 5 and PlayStation 3. And that was, that was maybe 10 or 16 gigs max because it was huge. Yeah. Now you want, you want, and I look at a game like the new like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is like over 100 gigs, I think, just to install before updates. Yeah, exactly right. So, like, and also, um, even iPhones, man. I remember the iPhone because we spoke about that earlier in this episode. Even like the iPhone uh, 6 had the option to have 16 gigs of memory. Now you would not get very far with 16 gigs of memory in a phone. Like, if you're trying mm. files from your previous phone, it's just yes, no way in hell. Um, and and yeah, it comes down to resolution, it comes down to file sizes. Um, I actually wonder like how much annually, I mean, like a company, for example, like Apple spends on expanding like this storage for iCloud or Google with Google Drive. I can imagine it must be quite a number because as you said, like with things like in the modern society, we are, are like storage has become such a, a essential part of everyday society. Like like the amount of storage we need now for games and entertainment. So like, I'm just curious to know, like what number do they spend? Because obviously they have to expand upon these drives and systems and networks for us to keep going the way we do. Because I mean, storage will only go up. It will never be less. It will always be more. Yeah, and you think about like, there's just more information that's permanently being created. Like um, mm. Spotify, they are not only putting on every song that's ever been made or trying to at least, but they're also putting on every new song that's ever been made as well. YouTube is constantly uploading new videos and still retaining the current videos that are already on YouTube. And these are the hundreds of millions, if not billions of videos that are just on servers, man. And, mm. and yeah, with iPhone, the, the iCloud storage, people are taking photos. These photos get synced to the iCloud um, backups on their phones. They're making millions of iPhones every year and selling millions of iPhones every year. Like, 
Like it is, it is a huge problem. So just the simple stats I'm just seeing over here is like over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every day. And I think if we would just work out like the basic math of that, I mean, what is an average track these days? Six, 10 megabytes? Yeah. Let's say 10 megabytes. That's over like 600,000. Well, fuck me, dude. Like that is crazy. That's just Spotify. And I can imagine like if you include uh, other, uh, like YouTube and other social media. So I can you imagine something like, TikTok or Instagram, the amount of uploads they goes every day per user. I don't know, dude. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah, man. And that that is astonishing. And even and that's and then you think about like the app stores, new apps are currently being uploaded. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about well, even even um, you know, cars and all those bad boys, the mm-hmm. link like cars that are like linking up to the internet as well and and constantly communicating and sharing data with these these files it just feels like yeah where where and when and how far do we go like you've got you know we went from megabytes you know to gigabytes to terabytes to petabytes to octabytes like how far can you go and and there's a lot of companies have have obligations to store their employees and and customers information for a certain amount of years so they can't just delete it to make space they simply have to increase their their storage space and pay a higher premium like it is it is insane to think about i we i physically can't comprehend that but then you think about you think about the human brain and how it's always constantly learning new things but also retaining the information it already has like you'd, you'd like to, to try and guess how many terabytes, gigabytes, octabytes, petabytes of, of memory yeah. brain can hold. Like that, that fascinates me. But yeah, man, look, I think, I think going ahead, things like load shedding are definitely not gonna, it's not gonna be a snap on solution that's just gonna solve the whole thing. Thanos can't just snap his infinity stones and take load shedding away. God, I hope he does. And cut it. <laughs> No, the idea would be Thanos to cut everyone in half, half the population, so we can have more electricity to use, or you guys can. At least. Half the consumption. <laughs> yeah. I do think in a world where, where load shedding exists in Australia and in South Africa, in our instances, I do think that the moving away from the diesel that actually goes into, like these fossil fuels that goes into creating the electricity or the, the turbines that get heated up to make the electricity, I think moving away from that would be would be the best go like and that that requires innovation you know that's the same thing that failed blackberry and and nokia so i do think it'll be interesting to see what technologies get brought for that and then yeah man as for our little storage issue and and those things um you know who knows we'll just keep keep upping it you know if we can raise the debt ceiling in the u.s when the debt (laughs) is about to uh to become due then i think we can probably do the same for storage apples and oranges i think but it seems to be what's happening so yeah and it's it's still going all the way so anyways man that's a wrap for technology and i look forward to discussing whatever comes up in our next episode about technology man yeah man well very exciting quarter um, i just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in again please remember to check out our socials and our uh, youtube page And yeah, man, we'll be back next week for a very exciting another episode. Thank you again. All right, take it away, Brendan.